Good afternoon, students of Hillsborough Community College, or HCC for short. I'm your host, Tommy Blair, and this is my co-host, Noah Allman. Say hi, Noah. You mean the ever amazing, ever fantastic, super hilarious Noah Allman? How many hey guys, times? And hello, ladies. Okay, okay, okay. Calm you down. Are, you guys remember me? As if you could ever forget. Listen, Noah, the only lady who who could be listening to this is your mom. Oh, I'm just kidding. Oh, no, I'm kidding. There's two ladies who could be listening to this. You my mom. mom <laughs> yeah, he stole my joke, you son of a. Okay. Come on, Tommy, uh, keep up. And language. I didn't say anything. Right. Okay. All right. All right. All right but. Why don't you tell the nice viewers what we're doing today? Okay. So. For all you lovely ladies and gentlemen who, who are watching or listening to this podcast, or radio show, I guess, we've got a lot of great stuff coming up for you. We've got a story about a PS5 sale that went berserk and that turned into complete chaos over in Tokyo. We've got news. Yeah, shocking. We got news about the new Sonic the Hedgehog TV show that's going to be released over on Netflix in 2022. Hooray. And and we'll also take a look at some of what Nintendo's games are going to be uh, coming out this year. So, we got a lot of exciting stuff for you. Woohoo! Here we go! Ooh, ah, exactly. Alright, but you're going to have to wait until after the break. So, we'll see you all in a bit.
All right, and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Tom's Poppin' Radio Show on HCC's Hockey Radio. We got a lovely story for you guys and gals at home. There was a PS5 sale over at Tokyo, and the sale went a little bit hectic, if I must say so myself. There was a, ooh boy, people were really, you know, want, wanting that new PS5. Like they were, they they were pushing, they were they were pushing uh, employees, staff members, registers. It was crazy. We got this article from Video Game Chronicles that details what went down over in Tokyo. So let's let's read some of it. Police were called to a popular Tokyo department store on Saturday after the intended sale of a new of new PS5 consoles descended into chaos. Yodobashi camera. Uh, uh, forgive me, folks. My uh, Japanese, my pronunciation might not be the best. Yodobashi camera in Tokyo's Akibahara shopping district had promised to sell several hundred PlayStation 5 consoles via at a first come, first serve policy. However, according to a personal account on social media, the whole process was canceled after hundreds of consumers swamped the store. As shown in multiple social media videos, huge crowds formed inside Yodobashi as staff planned to hand out numbered tickets for the PS5 consoles. The situation appeared to be fairly calm until staff began distributing the tickets, causing the crowds to begin pushing, shoving, and shouting. They canceled the sale due to people being insane, wrote Creatures Incorporated Dave Gibson, who was at the store. They pushed so hard, even the cash registers and staff went backwards. I've never seen that kind of insanity in Japan before. He added, people paying at the registers were pushed out of the way, cash left on trays, registers and staff pushed all the way back to, into storage areas. And uh, again, this article comes from Video Game Chronicles, if you would like to read the story for yourself. But man, uh, there was it was a, a hectic scene, and I and I saw, if you could see some of the social media posts, it was insane, because uh, uh, you, you saw that the situation got so bad, there were police that showed up to the area. It was just in general a huge crowd, and uh, um, in that area, and there was like a an, another uh, Twitter post where just a an all out fight broke out into the area. So it was insane, and uh, we we were sort of talking about this last week, but yeah, people are going absolutely mad over PS fives. They really want this new console, you know. People are are really you know really you know desperate to get their hands on a brand new playstation 5 console it's you know you know ridiculous and, and i guess it's not just a thing for over at the west either because you know we were hearing stories in the uk that were similar where you know an amazon delivery driver and a, a ups or you know uh had also you know done a similar thing over in the uk and you know you know over in uh here in america you know uh People got into over at Walmart, got into fights with security staff because, you know, you know, they claimed that they were hogging up all the, you know, PlayStation 5s that they had in stock. So, yeah, it's uh, absolutely crazy. Like what, you know, what people do to get their hands on a console. I mean, it's in to be fair, uh, it's not really anything new because we've seen this type of behavior from people before, unfortunately, where, you know, uh, people, you know, try to rob someone who was, 
who wanted to sell their PlayStation 3 and agreed to, you know, make a sale with them, but it turns out that they were actually planning on robbing that person. So, yeah, it, it's uh, crazy what, what people will do to go to such lengths. Uh, Noah, do you, do you have uh, any insight on this sort of story? I wonder how many of those people were scalpers. <laughs> no, no. If if no, if they were scalpers, they would have used you know some kind of bot to buy up huge bulks of PS5. Because see, the, how scalpers are able to get away with what they do is they'll they'll get these bots and they'll bots that are programmed to buy huge you know bulk of PlayStation Five now. Now, I don't understand the technology fully, all the technology that goes on behind these bots, but basically they'll take these bots and they'll program it to say, hey, I want I want you to buy, uh, you know, 500 PS5s, let's say. Now, how, where, where, where did the bot get the money to be able to buy that many PS5s? I'm not sure. Maybe the people who are doing it have that much money, but uh, it, it, it is definitely a group effort. Uh, like some people will buy a few PS5, some people will buy a, 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 another few PS5s. Because you have to keep in mind there there are actual groups of people who band together to buy up all these PS5s. There was one scalping group that had bought up like over uh, I, I forget what the number was, like ten thousand or twelve thousand PlayStation Fives. Like it was actually it was absolutely ridiculous. They and, and you know. Keep in mind, a single PS5, like, if assume that it was all just digital-only PS5s. That's, like, 400 bucks. So, multiply that by 10,000, that's, like, what? I don't have a calculator on me, so I can't, I, I can't do the math on my head. But that's probably at least over 400,000, you know, dollars, at least, at the very least. So... Yeah, it's, uh... And, and if, if, if they were... I think, no, the people who were... Uh, that that we that you saw, who were, you know, at that store event. I think those were just, you know, regular people who were very uh, desperate for PlayStation Fives because, you know, and and thankfully some some stores are actually taking action against scalpers. Like you say, they, they crowded and pushed each other out of the way. Basically, a, a whole Black Friday situation down it's, there. That's basically what it is. Yeah. But I, they're doing this specifically because it's a PlayStation Five. Because th this might be a global issue. I thought this was just a you know an issue we had here in the West, but this might be just as prominent in Japan too, where you know you got scalpers buying up all the PlayStation Fives and they're reselling them at a ridiculously you know high price, like double or triple what the original price was for these uh, PlayStation Fives. So you know a PlayStation Five, you know uh, one with the disc is supposed to be like. You know, five hundred bucks and and uh, PS Five without with the, where it's such digital is like four hundred bucks. But you get scalpers who are reselling these PlayStation Fives on eBay who are selling it for like you know eight hundred bucks or nine hundred bucks, and it's crazy. Like you know, they're they're reselling it at such a ridiculously high price. It's like you know there got there has to be some regulation and, and some places are thankfully trying to do that where you know they're putting up rule uh you know online businesses are putting up rules saying uh you can only buy one playstation 5 and that's it which to be honest like why would you even need more than one ps5 you know what i'm saying like i'm sure you got plenty of multiplayer games that you 
you know, you might have friends or family. You, you know, you can play like a multiplayer game or something. You know, maybe it was supposed to be a gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, personally, I don't see the rush. I mean, it's... I mean, PS Five games have just started coming out. There, there are hardly any any games that you can that you can solely play on a PS Five that you can't play on a PS Four. Yeah, and really, there aren't a whole lot of at this point. There really aren't a whole lot of, uh, you know, games for the PS Five that would even be worth the trouble of getting it at this point. You know what I'm saying? Like there is, you know, Demon Souls if you want to get Demon Souls, but there's also like you know Spider-Man Miles Morales, which a lot of people are excited for, but you don't have to play it on the PS Five. You can get it on the PS Four. So, and, and and keep in mind the console is still in its infancy, so. There, there really isn't a, a a need to get the PS5 at this time because there's not. You can only really get a small handful of games at this point. Like your your PS4 will be enough to satisfy you, or your gaming PC or your Xbox or whatever it is you play. That'll be good enough to satisfy you know whatever you know games that you can play until you can get you know that PS5. You know. And yet people have become desperate enough for a PS5 that they're willing to act like animals. Yeah, it's. And don't yeah. people know you're supposed to stick six feet apart? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Well, to be fair, everyone was wearing a face mask, so it's not. So it, it's not like they weren't being too reckless. Well, if you're going they're, mobbing, they're, they're being, you have to wear a face mask. If you're what? If you're going mobbing, you gotta wear a face mask. Well, you shouldn't be going mobbing at all, whether you've got a face mask or not. I mean, that you know breaks all civilization rules. All right, well. Uh, well, this was a crazy story, but we're, we're getting, we're, we got to wrap up, so. For our next segment, we'll talk about the new Sonic the Hedgehog show right after the break. Gotta go fast <laughs> and get back to the show.
the show you're listening to tom's poppin radio show on hcc's hawk radio if you're just tuning in noah and i were just discussing the uh the absolutely crazy ps5 sale that went down in tokyo japan and you know that was absolutely mad maddening but now we're going to talk about we've got some interesting news uh coming from netflix their new Sonic the Hedgehog show, Sonic Prime, is scheduled to be released uh, next year in 2022. And uh, we've got an article by IGN that that explains a little bit more about what's going on. Netflix has announced an all-new animated Sonic the Hedgehog series, Sonic Prime, to set premiere worldwide in 2022. Sonic Prime will be a collaboration between Sega and Wild Brain Studios, as the two companies are joining are, are jointly handling production distribution and licensing of the series alongside ben 10 creators man of action entertainment who will be serving as the showrunners and executive producers on the project which was a which was accidentally teased uh towards the end of last year sonic is a beloved character and holds a special place in everyone's heart including my own netflix's director of original animation dominic Beze said in a statement following the announcement, I spent many hours with the Blue Burr as a kid, and it's a privilege to be able to bring this character everyone knows and loves on a brand new adventure with Netflix. One that a generation of loyal fans and brand new fans around the world can enjoy. The series, based on the beloved video game, which celebrates its 30th anniversary this year, is said to build upon the monumentum that was generated for the iconic character following the release of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie last year, with an all-new adventure that aims to match, in, to match the scale and scope of the epic adventures synonymous with the Sonic franchise. And again, this article comes from IGN if you want to read, read more of it for yourself. But uh, yeah, so this uh, and yeah, I, I gotta say I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm a big fan of Sonic the Hedgehog. I, you know, played most of the main series video games. I, um, and you know, I'm sure what's you know Sonic the Hedge. I'm sure everyone knows what Sonic the Hedgehog is. But if you don't, he's basically a video game character from Sega. And you know, Sonic Sonic is very near and dear to everyone's hearts. There was the movie that came out last year and if you're a 90s kid you you grew up with you grew up with the original three games on the sega genesis sonic 1 sonic 2 and sonic 3 and uh, you may you might have even watched you know the tv shows too like you know sonic sat am or the adventures of sonic the hedgehog the two cartoons from the 90s or if you're a 2000s kid and maybe you watched the anime sonic x you know um personally my favorite what's your personal favorite noah sonic x 
Oh, that's your personal favorite. Oh, okay. Okay. I got, I got to say, I, I like that show too. You know, a lot of people are iffy on that show. Some people don't like it. Some people like it. Me personally, I grew up with that show and you know, it's, well, it's, there are definitely flaws in it with the dubbing of four kids and all that. Like, you know, it's still charming in a way. And I, I, I like it very much. Uh, I, I'm, personally a fan of sonic x it's a fu it's a fun show um personally, but, uh, I was I, personally i wasn't too impressed with sonic boom oh uh, well i've okay so me personally i don't have a whole lot of opinions on sonic boom i've only seen like one or two episodes but uh yeah i don't really have an opinion on that show but i've i heard a lot of people like it though um yeah it's good as a comedy not so much as an action adventure yeah, it's a show where you don't really take the characters that seriously. I mean, I, I think that's kind of the point. Like, the show's supposed to be a, a comedy, though, isn't it? It's not supposed to be, like, your traditional Sonic the Hedgehog action-adventure show. It's it's meant to it's meant to be a comedy. It's a different take on the on Sonic. Yeah, if you, view as, if you view it as a comedy, it's good. Well, if you view it like its predecessor's action-adventure, then it doesn't quite stack up. Okay, and so I, I understand that, like... Maybe that's why you don't enjoy the show as much as, like, previous Sonic shows. And if that's the case, I can understand that. Uh, I thought it was alright, you know, for what it was. It's definitely not meant to be, uh... It, it's definitely not meant to be your typical action-adventure. It's definitely, like, a, you know, more of a comedy, which... You know, we're repeating ourselves at this point, so let's well, move on. Well, anyway, I'll move this forward. So far, the last... The last Sonic show was Sonic Boom, so let's see how this new what this new guy's got. Yeah, so how much do we actually know about this show? We just know because I, I think at this point, all we really know about the show is, the, is is what it's called, Sonic Prime. It, you know, there there was a description about the show, like it's about Sonic has to fight the forces of evil, and you know he has to f figure himself out. It's a journey of it's a story of self-exploration and you know him to sonic discovering himself and it's like you know it it, it was really the plot like drama, wasn't really what sounds like it sounds like a sounds like a drama kind of show where, where it's going to have a story arc maybe but what i'm of, instead of just random adventures well what, I, what i'm saying is that the description that they gave for the the show it, it wasn't you know it wasn't anything that was that different from... It doesn't sound like it was anything that was that different from what you would find in other Sonic shows in the past. So I guess what my point is, is like, what exactly does this show have to offer that you didn't see from other Sonic shows, you know? It doesn't sound like it was that different, you know, from what we've seen in the past. So I'm just curious what, what Sonic Prime will offer new to the Sonic universe, so to speak. Um, uh, oh. But... Well, since we don't know what it's gonna have, what what are you hoping this new show will have? Um, I gotta say, I I, I hope that that there is definitely action adventure because, like you said, I do like the action adventure aspect to Sonic, but you know, I also want to make sure that it, it's still charming because you have to keep in mind that in you know, and Sega themselves have made this mistake with the video games. Sonic is not meant to be like this character who's like overly edgy or overly serious, you know? Because if you've played games like Shadow the Hedgehog or Sonic 06, you know, they've tried taking, you know, the Sonic universe or Sonic the Hedgehog's, 
you know, story and characters in general, and they try to take it in a direction where it's more serious, like, uh, you know, you know, more serious character arcs and about end of the world and, you know, more drama and, and you know, make it more darker. And it's like, that doesn't really work with Sonic, you know, like Sonic is not meant to be a character who's uh, the, the, the uh, it's not meant to be overly dark it's not meant to be overly serious like you know it's still like a, a kid's you know character it's it's still a cartoon character there has to be it, it there still has to be an element of it of sonic being silly charming witty or whatnot because like the, again, again the whole point of sonic is that he's supposed to be like this cool fast talking hedgehog or whatever and you know and uh and they kind of forgot the uh uh, comedic aspect, you know, with with those two games. So, you know, I, I don't mind us. Uh, I I don't mind some amount of seriousness. Like you can still have serious moments in a cartoon kids film. I mean, that's what basically all the Pixar films were like. You know, every, there's not a Pix, there's not a single Pixar film that doesn't have an emotional moment in it. And even you know, if we're gonna talk about video game movies, you know. You know, Pokemon, the Pokemon movie from 2019 had a very emotional moment with that Pokemon, uh, you know, kid and had and, you know, trying to find his, you know, long lost father, you know, Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu. Wondering. Yeah. And my, my 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 bad, folks. Detective Pikachu is the name of the film. Th there was a really, you know, emotional moment between with that kid and wanting to find his father and like he had a good relationship with the. A Pikachu character so that was that was all that was really good and I I, I want to see you know in my perfect in my world I want to see something that's silly that something that's charming but with just like an element of seriousness something that you know that 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 does have a that a bit of drama a bit of seriousness that's kind of what the Sonic Saturday AM cartoons were like you know there was some drama and it was somewhat serious but it was also silly it was also you know you know, it was still Sonic. It was still silly, so. Next up, we will be talking about Avatar because there, there is a really great article that talks about the philosophy of what uh, happens, of, of what makes Avatar, Avatar The Last Airbender, by the way, well, of what makes that show so great, so stick around for that. Inside 
Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Tom's Poppin' Radio Show on HGC's Hawk Radio. If you're just tuning in, we were discussing the new Sonic the Hedgehog show, Sonic Prime, that's coming out on Netflix. But for now, me and Noah have a little thing we want to, uh, we've prepared for you all. Water. Earth. Fire. Air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. Okay, you're right, that's too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that might be going to... Yeah, sorry, folks. We're trying to give you a whole dramatic entrance. Yes, so that might have been a bit too long. But for those of you who recognize what we were saying, that is the intro to the all ever so famous Avatar: The Last Airbender. One of my favorite shows as a kid. It's a really great show. The reason we talk about Avatar: The Last Airbender was because there was a really great article that talked about, you know, just how great the story to that show was. The characters were so complex. It was amazing. Like the story, it was very story rich. Like no one in that show was inherently good or evil like you would find in most kids' cartoons. It was really like every character had like a balance between what they're good, how good they were and how evil they were. And like Zuko was like one of my favorite characters from the show because he changes so much throughout the course of the show. But, you know, to get into what what it is I'm talking about, we have this article here by Screen Rant, and it's and it's a, an amazing article that that really dives into what it is we're talking about. So let's read a bit a little bit of this article, and uh, let's talk about it. 
As the avatar, Aang most clearly symbolizes the importance of balance to master all four elements and bring balance to the world. Aang is first required to achieve balance within himself. However, Aang is still fla a flawed human. Aang is deeply spiritual, a devout pacifist, and a naturally balanced character. But even Aang kills a buzzard wasp in an act of revenge. At the time, Aang was likely out of balance because he was overcome with emotion and reacted without first reflecting. Aang has several other experiences throughout Avatar that show his that, that, throughout the show that his tendency to react with emotion. However, in the Avatar finale, Aang becomes a fully realized Avatar after achieving balance. Because of this, Aang restrains himself from killing Fire Lord Ozai and uses an energy bending to take away Ozai's fire bending instead. Oh yeah, I should have warned that there's going to be spoilers in this article. <laughs> so my fault for... It's been years since it's ended. Alright, that's think, true. I think anyone who hasn't seen it yet kind of deserves to get spoiled. Yeah, well, you know, there are... It, it is an old show and there, there, there might there might have been people who were too young to watch it for themselves and are just now getting to watch it on Netflix. But yeah, if you're... Yeah. If you're well, like, but, somehow, but somehow just as popular as it was back then... Well, yeah, that's because it's on Netflix now. Like, younger people get to watch the show. So if you're a younger person and you just got spoiled of this, my bad. But if you're, like, my age, or if you're, like, Noah and I's age, and you didn't see the show yet, well, you know, you, you should have watched the show by now, buddy. <laughs> I'm just saying. But, uh, yeah, let, let's continue on with the article. Ozai's brother, Ozai's own brother, Iroh, is likely the most balanced character from Avatar's beginning to end, but Zuko is widely regarded as the most compelling character in Avatar because of his arc. At the beginning of the series, Zuko is, is heck-bent on destroying the Avatar to restore his honor and please his father, but as Zuko learns and grows, he begins to make outward choices that reflect his inner change this is illustrated even more clearly when zuko loses his firebending abilities and learns that life and energy must exist to balance fire's destructive and violent p potential zuko was completely out of balance when his sole purpose was domination and revenge but then zuko began to see the fire nation for what it was and realized that he needed the avatar to help him restore balance when viewing Avatar's character through the lens of in-balance or out-of-balance, they become even more reliable and realistic. Many children's shows, or rather film and television in general, feature characters who you know, nearly fit into a label of good or evil, but Avatar's characters contain multitudes. From its very beginning, Avatar has spoken to viewers in a way that few other shows have, be have because underneath the mythical setting and characters supernatural abilities avatar the last airbender teaches deeply poignant lessons about the complexities contradictions and balance within every person and uh, again this article comes from screen rant if you want to read it for yourself this is a absolutely fantastic article but you know to get into the point of this segment, like this, this really got me thinking about the show because it really was one of my favorite shows um, as a as a kid. Because you know, it was such a uh, excuse me, it was such a good and fun and amazing show. Like I really liked how it, it, you know you know complex the, you know the characters were. Like Zuko is, is probably like one of my favorite characters from the show, and 
He's also probably a favorite character for a lot of girls. <laughs> but, you know, it's a... Uh, he he was such a compelling character because he changed so much. Like he he went through so many terrible things that made that made him the flawed person that he was. But then he grows and becomes a you know an even better person. It's uh really amazing to see like how he changes throughout the show. It's you know you know I I, I personally love it. You know, but uh, Noah, did did you have any uh, takeaways from that from that article? Yes, complexity, balance, all that stuff. It's always a question of what a character... Because like you said, no character is really evil, but every, because every character has their own motives for doing something, something you can sympathize with. And then there is one, there's one in the show who was just evil, the Firewart himself. Yes, that's true. Like Ozai, you know, you know, you you make a good point there. Ozai was really he was really the only character that really doesn't fit this whole philosophy thing because he was, you know, the you know the embodiment of what of everything that was wrong with, you know, the Fire Nation, like or really what the the Fire Nation was doing at the time because, you know, and actually, you know, it symbolized the Fire Nation symbolizes, you know what fire represents fire is destructive it causes chaos it it spreads you know uh and that's exactly what the fire nation was doing it was spreading across the four the three other nations and it was causing destruction everywhere it went so and fire lord ozai was essentially the antithesis you know the uh, very embodiment of that because Fire Lord Ozai, like he wanted power, he wanted destruction, and he, he wanted to basically world domination, and the only way you could beat him and, and for it to still be considered peaceful is if the Avatar did it, because the Avatar embodies balance and he, he embodies peace. So if anyone defeated Fire Lord Ozai, it had to be Ain. It, 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 there was no other person who could have who done it that wasn't Ain. So, uh, yeah, because if... You know, if his brother, you know, if if Iroh did it, then, you know, it, it would have history would have only seen it as more violence because of his brother was killing another brother to grab power. So, yeah, it's um, I, I, I think this was a a really good episode it, it, or, or it was a good show in general with a good story arcs. But, um, yeah, so, no, do you have any? Uh, but yeah, no, do you have any final thoughts? No, it is what happened to your audio. Uh oh. Sorry about that. Okay, uh. so, so here's my last thoughts. Basically, I remember that a person's nature was kind of divided to make the four kingdoms, kind of like earthbenders being strong-willed, waterbenders being going with the flow, airbenders being free. If you had a, if. Based on that, on their personality type, what would you rate yourself as nowadays? Uh, I was always a fan of fire, but I could probably do... Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be like a firebender or something, because fire has been always my favorite one. So, coming up next, we are going to talk about... 
the future games that are going to come out for Nintendo and, uh, you know, the, the games that are going to come out, you know, for the Nintendo Switch and what, what exciting games you can look forward to coming this year. We'll, we'll see you guys in a little bit.
Hello and welcome back to the show. You're listening to Tom's Poppin' Radio Show on HGC's Hawk Radio. If you were just tuning in, we are talking about how Avatar was such a great show and why their characters were so complex and oh, it was such an amazing show. We are basically just fanboying over the show pretty much. But we're we're coming back again sharing what Nintendo's video game release schedules are for the Nintendo Switch. So we're going to talk about what games are coming out for Nintendo's console coming this year in 2021. So we got a list of about six games. It's very barren, mind you. There's only like six games that are scheduled to be released by Nintendo for the Switch uh, coming out this year. Um, And before we move on, we like to let you all know that this list comes from Nintendo Life. So if you want to find out more for yourself, go check out Nintendo Life's you know list and see what's going on with Nintendo. But yeah, the first game that's on our list, we've got Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, which is coming out February 12th, 2021. I gotta say, I'm personally a fan of Super Mario 3D World. I never beat the game, but it is a fun platform, 3D platformer. Bowser's Fury looks interesting from the trailers because it's like a bigger, darker, scarier Bowser or whatever that might be. But, uh, you know, Noah, do you have any thoughts on on this game? So is this like the game being re-released but with an expansion? Yeah, pretty much. Well, do you have any thoughts on it? Not really. Never, Never really played the game myself. Okay. Well... I'm. I, I think I'm looking forward to it. It's. It's a fun game. Um. I. I, I enjoyed the. This time, if you get it. Did sorry. What? Will you finally beat the game this time if you get it? Maybe. Oh. Uh, but so then again, I've like got on, too many games. What? <laughs> was this old? Was this old game like on the on the Wii? No. Uh. This was on the for the Wii U. Wii Wii U. Same thing. Yes. <laughs> you still have a Wii U anyway? Uh, actually, yeah, I I do. I but I only got it. I only hooked it up just because uh, there was a game that I wanted to play that I got for Christmas. Uh, you know, a couple months ago, and uh, you know, I just wanted to, and I hooked up the Wii U to play that Wii game. But yeah, <laughs> no, I, Wii and Wii U's are are not the same thing. Um. They're they're similar. They're similar, but not the same thing. Like the Wii U had that whole gamepad mechanic where you hooked up the gamepad so that you could, um, uh, you hooked up the gamepad so like you could, um, you know, you know, do you know, touchscreen stuff with the gamepad, whatnot. The Wii was just, you know, your Wii remote, your nunchuck, and all, and you know, all of that. Um, well, they're both antiques now. Yep, pretty much. Well, the Wii U is an ancient antique. People, a lot of people respect the 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 Wii much more than the the Wii U. All right, Probably. let's move this on. What's next on the list? Yeah. Okay. So next one, eh, not really excited for this one. Bravely Default Two, which is coming out February twenty sixth, twenty twenty one. I guess it's Never all right. Bravely Default. So it's uh, Bravely Default is a uh, JRPG by Square Enix. Uh, the first one, uh, I believe it was a Nintendo 3DS exclusive. So I imagine this is going to come out for the Nintendo Switch. Um, 
I've played the first one before, never really got into it. I think I played a demo of it, but uh, I don't know. I, I wasn't a big fan. I'm not a big JRPG guy. I know a friend who's a, a big fan of JRPGs. He might like it, but um, I don't have any thoughts on this. You, Noah? Not really. All right. Well, so I guess we'll move on to the next game. Or did you? Did you? Were you saying something? Okay. No. 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 I wasn't saying anything. Okay. Uh, okay. So, oh, th this one you might like, Noah. So the next game on our list is the new Pokemon Snap for that, which is coming out April thirtieth, twenty twenty one. If you don't know what Pokemon Snap was, so the original Pokemon I remember Snap. It. Yeah, okay, but I'm explaining to our audience, Noah, what it is. Do okay, you want to explain ahead. it to our do you want to explain it, Noah? You might you might you're you're more of a Pokemon fan than me. Not really when it comes to Snap. You see, when I was a little kid, when I first started playing video my first video games, the the original Pokemon Snap was one of my first was one of my, one of my first games. Yeah, so what Pokemon but Snap I was, is I, I, but I never really got into it since it was always kind of like a tour thing for me. Yeah, so if if you to, so to give context for what what he's talking about, Pokemon Snap is a video game where it's not like your traditional Pokemon game where you know you have you're trying to become the best Pokemon trainer in the world and you're collecting you know all 127 Pokemon and you're trying to battle your way to become the best Pokemon trainer. No, it's not like that. What it what it basically is, it's a game you're you play as a photographer the original po pokemon snap game was about you're a pho photographer and uh your 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 task for the game is to take pictures of pokemon you you go through this uh i guess roller coaster like tour and you pass all these pokemon and your goal is to take pictures of a certain amount of pokemon by the by the end of that tour that you're on so this is i i guess it doesn't really say what it's about, the article, but I'm thinking it's like a, a remastered version or like maybe a new sequel. I don't know. I they, they haven't there isn't too much that's out there about this this new Pokemon game. Probably more like a sequel. Probably a sequel, yeah. That's why it says new po well, the reason I say it might be like a remastered because it says new Pokemon stuff. So like is this like the same game but newer or is it like this like a sequel or something? Um so you know, like I said, I played the original game as a kid, one of my first games, and I was kind of I was kind of bored by it. it. It kind of lacked action for me. Yeah, it's not an action filled game, and I've I've played it for myself, and I I wasn't the biggest fan of it either because it's like what Noah said you're you're just taking pictures of Pokemon, and that's pretty much it. Some people like the game, but I I wasn't a big fan of it. You know, well then again, I'm not a I'm not a big Pokemon fan in general, so, uh, so maybe maybe that so what I have to say doesn't really say much mean much, but yeah. Um, all right, so let's move on to the next game. Uh, so, so okay, so for the next game on our list is Bayonetta three, and. This uh, this does not have an official release date yet. It's to be announced. Uh, Bayonetta. So I've never played Bayonetta two, but mainly because that was a Wii U exclusive, and I never got it on the Wii U. But the first Bayonetta is a multi-platform game. You can play on Xbox, PlayStation, PC. 
uh nowadays it might be best to get it on pc uh because uh the 360 and ps3 are pretty old by this point um but yeah i i loved bayonetta i would i would definitely get this whenever it comes out uh yeah next game and i know you don't really have any thoughts right you've, you've never played bayonetta before when you say bayonetta isn't there a bayonetta in brawl yes that that bayonetta it's her her game. That's the game she comes from. Okay. All right. So I guess that means you don't have any thoughts. Uh, so next game is uh, Metroid Prime 4, again, to be announced. We don't know when that's coming out. But supposedly it is coming out this year or sometime. Any thoughts, Noah? I, I, I can Metroid tell Metroid 4, was that Samus Games? Yes, yes. Metroid, the Metroid games are are Samus games, or or where or they're where Samus comes from. Uh, you want to know something interesting about the Metroid games? Then, since it's the Samus games, what's that? From what I hear, the original Samus game kept kept the secret to the end. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's Samus is actually a girl. I remember that. Uh, so, I, I, so again, I'm not really looking forward to this too much because I wasn't a big Metroid fan. And the last game on our list is a, as a, this game doesn't have a title yet. It's a, a sequel to The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild, and it it's doesn't even have a title yet. It, it, it obviously doesn't have a release date yet either. Hey, wait! But didn't that already come out? Age of Calamity. That's a prequel. That's not a sequel. All right, so, so still people coming. Uh, for our last segment, we will talk about the top ten most expensive Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Uh, and man, it gets wild what some of these how how expensive some of these Yu-Gi-Oh cards are. So, but we will top ten. I thought we were only doing top five. I said top ten. Okay, what we'll, we'll we'll argue about this later. <laughs> All right. But uh, yeah, uh, we'll see you guys in a bit after the music break. Violently it changes 
Back to the show, everyone. You're listening to Tom's Poppin' Radio Show on HGC's Hawk Radio. If you're just tuning in, we were talking about um, the latest Nintendo games that are coming out this year. But with that aside, we are moving. We are moving on to our last segment of the day. We are talking about the top ten most expensive Yu-Gi-Oh cards as of 2020. Well, last year, pretty much. No, it's too soon to say what the most expensive Yu-Gi-Oh cards were as of this year. But uh, yeah, so for those of you who don't really know what Yu-Gi-Oh is, Yu-Gi-Oh is a card game by Konami. And it's a card game where, where it's originally it's called Duel Monsters and you, you know, fight monsters and you play spell cards and trap cards in order to, uh, you know, drain your opponent's life points and get to victory. So uh, yeah, that's for those who don't know, you know, about much about Yu-Gi-Oh. But uh, and we talked about that a little bit last week. That was like our very first segment for the show. Uh, oh, and quick announcement for those who listened to our last radio show podcast, I guess. To those of you wondering how mine and Tommy's showdown went, I can't can't really tell you anything. Don't wanna, don't wanna embarrass my pal here. What are you talking about? Like you haven't dueled since since last week. What are you talking about? Uh, what I say about spreading misinformation, Noah? We're we're a radio show of truth. Darn it. We only we only report the truth, and the truth is that I would kick your butt in a Yu-Gi-Oh match. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so. But uh, we don't have a lot of time here, folks. So let's move on to the to the new segment. So, so these are the ten most expensive Yu-Gi-Oh cards that were sold last year. So, at number ten, we have Gaia the Fierce Knight, and this sold for a whopping six hundred and fifty dollars last year. Um, a classic card. Yes, this this is a classic card. Generation one, I think. Yeah, generation one. Yeah, I I, I believe too. So, 
Gaia, let, let, let's read more into this card. Gaia, the Fierce Knight. Oh, by the way, this list comes from uh, comicbook.com. So if you want to look into more about the top 10 most expensive Yu-Gi-Oh cards, go check out comicbook.com. Gaia, the Fierce Knight was first Western, the first Western release of, of Gaia, the Fierce Knight was in Yu-Gi-Oh! Deck of the Blue Eye was in the Legend of the Blue Eyes White Dragon in uh, 2002. Um, you know, the cat, the card, and if you don't know what this Gaia of the Fierce Knight is, it was basically a warrior monsters type card and it's a normal monster and it allows players to summon Gaia without, um, tributes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Th this article is, is phrased very strangely. My, my apologies, folks. Um, but uh, yeah, so it's a it's a classic monster. It's a normal monster. It's a warrior type, and this was sold uh, uh, at a whopping six hundred and fifty dollars. Or I guess it's uh, w wait, where was this sold at? Um, um, oh eBay. Okay, so I guess someone sold it on eBay. Um, which oh, it's Australia's price tag. Okay, so in Australia's you know, priced, you know, currency system. It's 850 bucks, but you convert that into the American currency system. It's $650 basically. But uh, yeah, that's pretty expensive. But oh boy, folks, it gets even more expensive from here. Your, your jaw is going to drop when you hear how expensive some of these cards are. So the next card on our list is Dark Magician Girl. And, uh... This card was sold for $1,300. So, Dark Magician Girl in 2003. Uh, uh, Konami originally released this card as part of the Magician's Force Booster Pack, which uh, included two previously released Japanese sets, Advent of Union and Champion of Black Magic. The booster deck had some notably rare cards, including the card that was just mentioned, uh, Dark Magician Girl. And uh, th this is very popular, too, if you've ever watched the anime. Um, yeah, and, and uh, you know, th it's, a, it's a fan favorite card. Uh, oh, yeah, so this card was, was sold, uh, and the reason um, I say this card was, uh, you know, $1,300 expensive is because this was recently sold at a, at a public auction, and someone bought this card for that amount of money and it's you know crazy you know which some people really love this girl <laughs> okay um and uh okay so for number eight we have uh amatsu okami of the divine peaks which sold for fourteen hundred dollars so this is a link monster card and link monsters you know are there are Tommy Tommy's mortal enemy <laughs> exactly oh yeah I do not like these monsters these are basically the new monsters that sort of changed up how the game was played and uh you know a couple years ago which you basically there there are monsters with effects that can ex can extend to other monsters depending on where they're placed on the field so this is a light type card that was given as a prize during 2018 Yu-Gi-Oh! World Championships, which were held in Japan. Not only is 
Amatsu Okami of the Divine Peaks highly sought after, but it also has an impressive 3,000 attack power, making it a affordable you know, addition to any deck. There was a mint condition copy of this card and was recently sold over $1,400 and is currently valued at a whopping you know, $1,390. Uh, you know, considering it was only awarded to tournament participants, its value is understandable. Yeah, I can understand that. If this is a card that you only got from a tournament, I can see why this would be a, a very expensive card. Okay, so now we're going to move on to a bit of a price jump. Uh, Japanese Blue Eyes White Dragon is $2,500. The, the Japanese Blue Eyes White Dragon, mind you. You know, is that different if, from the American Blue Eyes Red Dragon? Yes, it's like the the original Japanese with release with the Japanese text, pretty much. So yeah, and this is worth twenty five hundred dollars. And um, so yeah, if you're a fan of the Yu Gi Oh anime, you remember you'll remember Blue Eyes Red Dragon. This is like one of the classic monsters. Um, it's not yeah, it's not only rare in real life, but you know it was a really highly sought after card in the anime as well. You know, Blue Eyes White Dragon is so recognizable from the original, you know, you there was a Yu-Gi-Oh booster pack that was named, you know, in honor of Blue Eyes, you know. And it's your current inspiration for your deck, right? Exactly. Exactly. That's yeah, I've got a Blue Eyes themed deck. It's uh uh you know, both, you know, the Japanese and English version are very expensive, but this Japanese version sold for an over $2,500. Um, all right, so we're running a bit short on time here, folks. So I'm going to wrap it up so, real quick and... Do a speed read, would you? Sure. Uh, I'm going to have to go through these fast, folks. Number six, we've got Morphine Jar for $3,150. Number five, we've got Minerva the Exalted Swords, Slight Sword, worth $3,700. We've got, for number four, we have Dark End Dragon, $7,500. Number three, Shrink Ultra Rare Limited Edition, $9,000. Number two, and this, this is a upscale in price, Cyberstein worth $30,000 and number one a first edition blue eyes white dragon card $32,000 <laughs> and there you have it folks the nine the 10 most expensive cards in Yu-Gi-Oh um, boy am I glad my deck is digital yeah <laughs> oh man Ma imagine that paying 30, 30 grand just for a Yu-Gi-Oh card yeah it's a good thing yeah play digital folks <laughs> But uh, yeah, so uh, but that's pretty much it. Thank you for tu tuning in to today's radio show. Uh, it, it was great seeing y'all, folks, uh, and we'll have more great, you know, you know, great stuff to talk about next week. We'll see you all later. Noah, do you don't don't you want to wrap up the show? Well, you didn't toss the mic over to me. Okay, Noah. Don't, here's don't worry, my dear fans. I'll be back before you know it. Don't cry. <laughs> don't weep. I'll see you soon. Yeah. I just blinked. Noah, you're going to see your mom when you get home. Jeez. <laughs> all right. See you all later, folks. Bye-bye.